0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Lunatics Radio Hour. I'm Abby Branker, and I'm here with Alan Kudan and Dan Roberts. Hello. Hi. I just wanted to take a quick second at the top to explain what Lunatics is to anybody who may have just found us. So essentially, Lunatics is a project that spans a lot of... um, We started in films, so we create short films for YouTube, we have this podcast, and we also create horror magazines... So if you're interested in getting involved with any of those things or submitting content to the magazine, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Films About Lunatics. Anyway, hi Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hi Abby, thanks for having me. So Dan is one of our very dear and close friends. So Dan has actually been into Lunatics Films.
1: I have. Uh, I uh, acted a lot in college and high school and um, you know, now my career's not really in acting, but I, I really get to... But it could be. Uh, He's very good.
0: <laughs> He's very good.
1: I, I felt I was called to some other kinds of work, so I do that now. Um, but I do love just being able to be in Abby's projects. and Thanks, Dan. It's um, it's always a, a really nice way to like flex your acting muscles, especially if you don't get to do it as often as you'd like.
0: For sure. And you are very, very good in them. So Dan's in two films. One is called My First Murder, which I have to say is a fan favorite. People literally... Reach out to me all the time to tell me how much they like it, and it's largely because of you.
1: My first murder, we we did, I want to say a couple months back, yeah, and it was really really fun. Uh, it unintentionally harkened. To the first movie I did with uh, Abby. Absolutely. Which was uh, about two serial killers showing up at the same house.
0: It's called Two Killers.
1: (laughs) Two Killers Too Many? Or was it just
2: Two two Killers killers. Too Many? Two Killers Too Many.
0: (laughs) On YouTube, they're actually like, I put them in like a row. I think it's called Murderer's Row. But they're next to each other and it's my first murder and then Two Killers Too Many. Because even though we made Two Killers First, it kind of acts as a perfect sequel to my first murder. Mm
2: -hmm. So what's the third one going to be? I don't know.
1: None of, none of the ideas I've ever had for Abby uh, have ever been any, like, really related around murder. But I, well, should, I but should think we, about it.
0: But we, you actually, you've, we, I was looking through old scripts recently, kind of, like, trying to find some material for the podcast. And I have a few from you. There's mm-hmm. the werewolf one and there's the staircase one. And I think both of those are, like, worth making. You know what I mean?
1: I forgot about this, the werewolf one. Yeah. I can't actually remember what it's about. It's about worst time werewolf. Yeah. No it, worst time Oh the worst time werewolf Eatos. It was uh It's a, it's a classic. It was a series of shorts. Um I don't wanna say it doesn't matter if I spoil it.
0: It's up to you. You don't have to. It was
1: just a series of shorts. How, how else it, are we gonna crowdsource it? Would uh uh where like a, a person would constantly be doing things and like at the worst time you would see a full moon and turn into a werewolf
0: yeah it's very funny idea i like it a lot
2: so you guys can all check that out next week (laughs) (laughs) well maybe next year
0: (laughs) yeah 2020 a goal for 2020 so we are going to get into reading um some short stories and scripts for you in a few minutes but first we had some questions for dan oh
1: very exciting
2: uh how do you feel about always being typecast as a serial killer (laughs) Uh, you know, it
1: was funny. I was talking to my girlfriend actually recently uh, about... I forget why it got brought up. Maybe because I, I had, the last role I did in college was I played Macbeth, who is basically a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And definitely the way I, uh, I was asked to play him was very much like a, a mobster who just kills all his enemies. And I think... Um, I remember talking to a friend who was an actor and he said, you know, when you're acting you want to do everything that you wouldn't want to do in real life. And I mm-hmm. I've always kind of agreed with that where it's like, I I think I'm a pretty nice guy, like a, I I could not imagine a circumstance that would involve me getting aggressive or violent in any way. Um yeah. like even like in a very dramatic sense. Like uh, you know, a little bit of insight into what I do. I I work um with uh like I I work with the homeless population in New York and occasionally uh, things are like a little bit dicey. You deal with a lot of mental health crisis, and um, in those situations, like I'm a very, I try to be very calm. I try yeah. to be very understanding, which is kind of a job requirement when you yeah, do that kind sure. of thing. Um, but you know, when I get to be on screen, uh, having done a couple of roles where like I'm a murderer, and one of the things that I think also makes the roles I've done with Abby kind of fun is that I'm always a little bit of not so much in Two Killers Too Many, but at least in um, my first murder, there's a bit of ambivalence around it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I definitely want to kill the guy, but I, I'm kind of like just trying it out. Yeah. I treated it very much like a first date. Yeah. Um, where it's th- like yeah. very awkward and, and kind of like, what are we doing? Uh, oh, okay. Like, you take the lead.
0: Yeah. I have to say, too, just I think my first murder, people are afraid to watch it because the because of the title and because the thumbnail is a little bit like aggressive looking, but just as a... You know A caveat to everyone It is not A horror film At all It's not violent It's got like A little bit of an ending But It's largely a comedy
2: It's hauntingly charming <laughs>
0: That's great That's a great way To describe
1: I, it I actually do want to Give a shout out to Alan For Like I think The the best payoffs In that um, uh, And actually Abby too Because you were directing it um, So often I think about you As like the screenwriter But you play a huge part In the production So does Alan and there were like some shots that like, like the stabbing shot, mm-hmm. like the fact that we pulled that off and it looks so good on camera. I thought it was like, yeah. when I was watching it, I was like, this is amazing.
0: No, for sure. Alan kind of like had this vision to shoot it in this like mockumentary, like kind of like The Office. And I was being a little bit hesitant about it. And I have to say, I'm very, very glad that he did it because it is so funny because it's like a combination of your faces dan that you're making and like you're acting and then alan's like bringing so much character to it and like the way he's zooming and panning so it's I, I i think it's very very charming and funny i like it a lot
2: so, so just a shout out to kellen quigley and Stefan martinez uh as those were the only other two people mm-hmm. that have not yet been thanked that have worked on this project <laughs> but
1: they were great yeah they were
0: yeah we couldn't have done it without everybody cool so dan yes we're gonna drill down a little bit deeper now please do you ready for this question
1: Drill as deep as you want. I am a well <laughs> to be drilled.
0: I love that. Okay. Do you believe in the paranormal, ghosts, spirits, any of those kinds of things?
1: I do, with maybe some caveats.
0: Great. Let's hear it.
1: Like I, I definitely feel like a very spiritual person. I definitely believe in an afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that is kind of based a little bit on a like Christocentric model of how I was raised. Yeah. Um, but I do think that to some extent the spiritual realm can interact with the Mm. the mortal realm. Hell yeah. Uh, And there's just too much. You hear too much weird stuff. There's like as much as it could just be fake and phony and you hear certain stories and you're like, yeah, that person probably didn't see a ghost. (laughs) But uh, like I mentioned earlier, I work in uh, a a homeless shelter and the homeless shelter used to be before uh, it was converted into a homeless shelter, it was a psych unit for Whoa. women in like the 1920s. Whoa. And I definitely walk into rooms and I don't, I wouldn't say I've ever like been haunted, but you get a weird feeling mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't know if it's just chemicals in your body being right. like, this is a creepy, right. but there's something there. And like, if, if there was ever a place to be haunted, it might be where I work. So.
0: Wow. Um, I didn't realize that. That's yeah. very cool. Have you ever had any other paranormal experiences in your life?
1: Um, I had a near death experience as a child mm-hmm. that my dad um, claims he saw like a white light between. I was, I'll tell the whole story. Yeah. If it's, Great. Please do. So, as a as a young kid, we were on vacation. We were at this place called Sylvan Beach, New York. Mm-hmm. It's, like, in the middle of nowhere. It's on one of the Finger Lakes. Yeah. Uh, it's got, like, a little amusement park. It's a weird place. If you could ever, if you ever visit it, like, it would be a weird place to shoot something.
2: Sylvan Beach, got it.
1: It's got, like, a tiny amusement park and a beach and, like, very, like chintzy kind of restaurants like all the restaurants are themed like there's a pirate
0: themed restaurant cool yeah that's fun
1: it's got a bunch of fun stuff as a kid it was amazing we stayed at like this like very (laughs) dinky motel that we loved we thought it was great they had a diner that we went to for breakfast every morning it was a great trip everything about this trip was amazing Mm -hmm. and then on like the last day or the second to last day that we were there we were coming back from the beach and my my stepmom and my dad were behind me, maybe like twenty feet behind me. I was kind of like on the corner waiting, and I thought there were no cars coming. Yeah, and I like kind of ran out into the road, and I don't know how, but like I missed an eighteen wheeler. Oh my god! That was like, and this was like a a, a rural route. You know, it was like mm-hmm. the speed limit was like fifty. So this eighteen wheel was like going like fifty miles an hour, mm-hmm. and like I step out, and I look up, and I hear like tires screeching. I see, like, a grill, like, right oh in front of God. my face. And then I just heard shouting, because my step everyone was <laughs> mad at me. And I was very scared. So I just started crying, and I ran to the hotel, and I was very upset. But what I didn't know was, and I was told this years later by my stepmom, was that my dad said he saw a white light in between me and the car. Uh, when the car stopped, he thought he saw what he believed to be an angel. Right. And... I don't know if that that was an angel, I, but it there's something about the math around an eighteen wheeler being able to stop going that speed mm-hmm. that does seem very like had that happen. That's I have awesome. I
0: chills, Dan. Wow.
1: It was cool. I mean, you know, I didn't know that until later in life, and it's one of those things where like you're like that's freaky.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's exact plot of Pet Cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> Except with maybe not as happy as an open ending. <laughs> Um, thank you for sharing. That was a very cool story. Yeah, of course. Are you into horror movies at all?
1: I am now. Mm-hmm. I never used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not somebody who scares easily. When I watch horror movies, I always thought they were kind of corny. And I think when I was younger, I didn't care so much for that. But now yeah. I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of fun. To And also, horror movies are made in a way that if you have even like a basic understanding of like film production yeah they're very intuitive you can kind of like sense when a jump scare is coming you can sense when like something's building
0: mm-hmm.
1: and
2: i thought i, I really enjoy that uh, just from like a filmmaking standpoint i enjoy that they're like because that knowledge is so ubiquitous now like they use those mechanics to fool you mm-hmm. like they'll frame it in a way where like it's this is the shot where the thing pops up behind them you know but then it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: There, one of the things I I really do like about horror films is if it's good, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. If it's not good, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Exactly. it's Then it's just funny.
0: Right. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. Either way, we watched some pretty bad horror films recently. Some like, like very like D level cramp, maybe even lower like Krampus films from Amazon Prime. <laughs> And they were very, very bad. They were like user uploaded content and they were really fun.
2: Yeah. Shout out to Amazon for like setting the bar super low and just letting anybody put anything on there. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, if that's not where we're going to sell things. you know. Yeah.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, cool. So, Dan, do you have a favorite horror movie?
1: I do. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a strict horror movie, but Joss Whedon's Cabin in the Woods mm. is, I think, a really excellent almost satire of horror, Mm -hmm. but shot in a very true-to-horror way. Interesting. Um, There's a lot going on there, and and it was probably the first horror movie I really enjoyed. Like I said, I didn't like horror movies when I was younger, uh, just from not enjoying them. And that movie, because I think of its satirical take on it, kind of made me like, oh, this is really good. Mm. You can really enjoy a horror movie if it's done right.
0: Right. I've actually never seen that film, so I'll have to check it out.
2: We will watch it very soon. There you go. I have it on... DVD
1: and Blu-ray if you want.
2: DVD and Blu-ray.
0: I'm not, I don't like Blu-rays, but thank you for the (laughs) offer. Do
1: you want an HD DVD? Yeah. A laser disc if possible? Laser
0: disc if possible, yeah. Yeah.
1: Can I say something that I think, I don't know if you want it in there, but I'm going to, but it's something I've noticed. That's what editing's for.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Almost there.
1: So, So one thing I've noticed making movies with Abby and working on projects with Abby is that uh, when we're not rolling, she's relentlessly optimistic and very positive, to the point where I almost never know if I'm doing a good job. Oh no! <laughs> but I, I mean, it works because <laughs> I just feel confident to go forward. Like it, it, it serves its purpose, even if you're you're doing it.
0: Relentlessly optimistic
1: She she, like We just There there was a moment Where we had to do Like a little cut In recording this And she was like Dan you're doing so great This is like such good I'm like is it?
0: No it is (laughs) Uh I think I think truly I know that Maybe I come across As inauthentic Because I'm always So excited about stuff But it it is truly, genuinely how I feel all the time. And like then, this kind of stuff just makes me so happy.
2: No, you should just hear how she talks to other people. <laughs> it, it's just you. I think I, I think I need to be on crew
1: for once. St- She's just a big one, fan of your work. One production, yeah, just to see what it's
0: like. I would love that. Whenever you'd like,
1: I can hold. I think I could hold a boom mic. Yeah. yeah. Oh
0: hell yeah. Piece of cake. We always need that. So there's this new little bit we're doing on the podcast where we're doing a dramatized table read of scripts that i've written in the past that have never actually made it to to be movies and probably never will be so i thought this was a cool way to kind of like get some life out of them so this uh script that we're going to read is called the summoning or summoning um it was written for a collaboration last year that never came to be but uh but it's kind of like a little fun thing okay so alan is going to read the narration and dan is going to act out all of the voices so take it away boys Summoning by Abigail Brinker Narrated by Alan Cudan
2: Voices by Dan Roberts Exterior, woods, evening Jake is running through the woods Everything looks bleak and grey He looks down at his watch as he moves After a moment, he comes to a small clearing surrounded by huge rocks There's a small altar set up with a black candle which has clearly been burned before, and a mirror. He looks around him furtively and kneels on the ground. He removes a delicate, golden necklace from his neck and wraps it carefully around the candle. He fumbles in his pocket for a lighter and lights the candle. Jake checks his watch again. He is still out of breath. As the hour strikes, he raises the small mirror and holds it up to his face so he can see behind him. Jake closes his eyes and takes a deep breath. (sighs) After a moment... He releases the air and opens his eyes He lets out a sigh of relief We see a demon-looking woman's face Very close behind him She has red eyes As Jake speaks, his voice cracks Hi, baby She places a hand on his shoulder And suddenly, her eyes look normal Without turning around, he holds her hand And looks at her in the mirror Match cut to Interior, Joanna's home, evening Joanna is holding her hand up in front of her we recognize her as the same woman we just saw in Jake's mirror. She is clutching a newspaper clipping with the headline, Hit and Run Leaves Man Dead, and a gold necklace that is hanging around her neck. A medium is sitting across from Joanna. Candles are burning on the small round table between them.
1: Wow, I felt him that time. I really felt him. That's
2: wonderful.
1: He's gone now. We can't expect the dead to stay as long as we need them, but it's a true gift to have crossed paths with them at all.
2: Joanna nods.
1: Well, same time next week.
2: Cut to black. I thought it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. I loved
0: that. That was perfect. Yeah. That was a fun little, one fun little story. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a twist ending. You think he's summoning her, but really she's summoning him.
2: Why does she appear with red eyes?
0: Because th- what? Go ahead.
1: Well, I, I like that. That was a part I really liked about it. Was that like, like a ghost? Like a even though he's a ghost, mm-hmm. she looks like a ghost yeah. to him because she's, she's in the realm. mortal plane. Yeah. He's in the spiritual.
0: That's right. Dan nailed it. I also really wanted to do that. When we're if we're making the movie, like have like a jump scare with this like woman with like bloody eyes.
2: Yeah, let's, do, let's make this. This is such an easy one.
0: I know. I was trying to make an easy one.
2: Let's do it. You know, one thing I do, I
1: did tell us think about while yes. uh, Alan was actually reading the narration. I think it's very. I think it's very interesting that the man has a watch. Mm-hmm. Like there's time. Oh, it's yeah. not something you always associate with. Like hmm. that that, that definitely to me sells it better that you would think he's a ghost mm-hmm. because or you wouldn't think you he's wouldn't, a ghost yeah. because you're like, ghosts don't care about time, do they? Right. <laughs> but maybe they do. We don't know. Right. Like how many, I think a, a spectral watch is a very
2: creepy Ooh, thing.
0: Spectral watch.
2: Because it, it's obviously stopped the time that he died. Oh. Um, right. um... I, I don't know how you convey that, but that's a cool detail.
0: Yeah, we could. With at, the newspaper. 12.01. Yeah. At 12.01 a.m cool well thank you guys both very much for indulging in that the script maybe we will make it after all
2: i th- i think so yeah if you want this to get made do i get to play all three parts i yeah. i think yeah. you would be the perfect middle-aged romanian woman
0: <laughs> romanian woman whoa
2: abby ghost
0: it wasn't me it's was ghost Doo-doo. are you thinking of starting a podcast you should because we did and it's a ton of fun But the one thing I'll say is that it is surprisingly hard to publish a podcast to all of the endpoints. Thankfully, I found Buzzsprout, which made it super easy to do. And they actually track all the analytics across all the platforms. And they provide a really cool and sleek website for us so we can send the link around and link to, to the podcast really easily. So if this is something you're interested in doing and it's a little overwhelming, I would say get a microphone on Amazon. Get a good set of headphones and use Buzzsprout. With their help, the Lunatics Radio Hour is listed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, on and on and on. So all the big guys. If you're interested, you can follow the link in the show notes below. It lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you so we get some affiliate revenue as well. It could help us out. And also, once you become a member of Buzzsprout, you also get a $20 Amazon gift card. And it helps support our show. So if podcasting has been on your list of hopes and dreams, but it seemed daunting, I highly suggest taking a look at bus route. They make it easy. So click on that link. Thanks, guys. OK, so now we're going to move on to the headline event, I would say. So this is a new story that I wrote. Um, it's called The Bridge. And I'm actually going to give a little bit of tiny bit of background info before we jump in. So I had this vision in my head um for uh, for a while now kind of like of a scene from the 1800s in new york kind of like right after so the brooklyn bridge was built i think like from like it ended i think in 1883 and it took like 14 years so back around this time when the bridge was just built and like the city was bustling and kind of like there was this industrialization going on um this woman standing like a, you know, a woman from that time period, standing like on the center of the bridge. And it's just like this vision I've had and this huge kind of like rogue wave coming up behind her. Um, so I was kind of playing around with that vision and thinking of how I could turn it into a story. And so I was doing some research on the Brooklyn Bridge. And in an article, I found that in 2006, a group of workers actually discovered a bomb shelter underneath the bridge. Um, and if you want to read the whole article, it's a Business Insider article by Jack Sommer from 2015. And essentially, it's just like 14 facts about the bridge. But so in um, this like bomb shelter that they found, they think it was somewhere along the, Man- the Manhattan side of the bridge, but the city actually won't reveal the exact location of the shelter. Um, but these, I don't know if they were construction workers or what, but these people stumbled upon um, a room that was filled with tons of like water blankets supplies for some kind of like end of the world situation and there's over uh packets of crackers um and there was also it's
2: quite the saltine challenge yeah can, and there can w- i
0: just say yeah
1: if your main concern is like dehydration yeah the last thing you
2: really want down there would be crackers this is bonkers well i think it's if the water gets in <clears throat> it will just soak, soak it up uh, yeah. on the water or if there's slugs Slugs, yeah. Mm-hmm. If the world is taken over by radioactive slugs, you just re-lead the crackers in a big circle around.
0: Well, there's also some kind of signage that said for use after enemy attack, um, and there was about also a ton of newspapers from the late 1950s and 60s, which was you know around the time of like the Cuban Missile Crisis and all that. So that kind of like struck me this morning <laughs> as I was researching this as like a very interesting thing. You know like there's also, you know the Washington Square Park arch. I've heard of it. There's also like um a story about that which isn't really related to this, but there's like some kind of access point, like there's a stairway to the top and back in the 1800s these people would go up and like drink champagne, like sneak up there and now like there's all these champagne bottles still up there from like the 1800s. Hmm. So there's like these weird history things in New York that I think are like kind of rich. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out into the room as the inspiration before Dan reads this, because it might be helpful context.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, and you found all that out after writing it.
0: No, yep. so I found out that article kind of like while I was writing okay. it, so it 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 incorporates it in like at the yeah. Second I was gonna s- I was gonna
1: say like you made a great guess. <laughs> no,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So Dan, whenever you're ready.
1: He looked out of his apartment window His candles almost totally burnt out But he was distracted by the scene below The East River had been rising rapidly The wind shook the window in its frame Sending shivers down his spine His building was one of the closest to the Brooklyn Bridge on the Manhattan side He had watched it being built over the past 14 years Since he was very young But now he was worried this storm would totally wash it away He was worried this storm might wipe out the whole city. There was nowhere for them to go. No shelter in lower Manhattan that was safe or high enough to escape the water. He could see the waves starting to build, to get higher and higher as they rolled down the river. He could hear his mother praying and crying from the living room. She was convinced this was the end of the world. Maybe it was just a storm, he had told her. There was a girl on the bridge She was clutching the steel beam railing so tightly that her knuckles were white. She stood almost in the center of the massive structure. The wind blew salt and sea into her eyes. Her hair was drenched as it whipped around her. Her thick petticoat was weighed down by the damp. She knew she needed to shed it in order to give herself a fighting chance. Brooklyn was underwater. They had no warning. The sea had risen in a matter of hours, forcing the rivers to flood. It had been so dark all day, but she was convinced it was nighttime now. The bridge was almost pitch black as she tried to inch along it. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people, were crammed into the passageway, trying to escape their flooded burrow. She worried if she paused to shed her petticoat that she'd be trampled. The boy in the apartment could make out the mass exodus. He knew that wasn't a good sign. These people would get trapped on the bridge. The waves would be tall enough to wash over the bridge soon. Brooklyn must be really bad if they were risking that journey. He felt paralyzed. He wondered where they would go when they got here. How could he help? He had to go down there. Mom, I'm going out. His mother let out a shriek and threw herself at him. No, that's a sure death. How can I sit here watching as people suffer below? He gently guided his mother back to her chair. "'I won't be long. I'll come back as soon as things get dangerous. I promise.' He kissed her on the forehead. As he closed the door to the apartment, he could hear her crying again. He continued down the steep stairs of the three-floor building. Even in the stairwell, the building seemed to groan and shift with the wind. Everything felt darker than usual. He opened the door and stood on the street corner. It was chaos. A woman was looking for her child— two shop owners were in an all-out brawl and dozens of other people seemed to frantically run about, confused or lost or terrified. He moved towards the bridge. She climbed off of the main passageway. Suspended by cables, she started to untie the layers of her dress. She needed to climb down one of the towers of the bridge. She needed to be as light as possible. She felt a million pounds lighter as she tossed her heavy garments into the river below. No one noticed her in her underclothes. No one noticed anything. They were all too scared, too focused on their own fates. She knew it wasn't likely she'd even survive the journey down. But she needed to try. There had been rumors. Secret rooms and tunnels built into the tower of the bridge. The workers had added a system, probably for the very wealthy. She took a deep breath as she started to descend down the rope ladder over the side. She was almost 300 feet over the water below, The wind blew harder. Hey! She looked up. There was a boy above her. What are you doing? He yelled down to her. She continued silently. There was no use in explaining to him. No use in talking to him at all. Hey! You're going to fall! He continued. Maybe, she shouted back. Where are you going? He yelled. She grew annoyed with him. She didn't want a mass of people to catch on and ruin her chance at survival. "'I'm looking for shelter!' she responded. "'You're insane! You need to get off of there! Now the waves are getting higher!' She continued to climb down. He was slowing her down. Suddenly, the rope ladder went taut. She looked up to see his heavy boots coming above her head. "'Get off!' she screamed. "'You're going to kill yourself!' he returned." And what does that matter to you? She kept climbing down. Her fingers hurt from the wet and splintered rope. Her body shook from the freezing wind and rain. She was convinced that this was it either way. Even if she did find some secret shelter in the bridge, would she be able to get in? Would she get there in time? Thud. Her foot found stone beneath her. She looked down. She had made it to some sort of landing. She decided to give her hands a break and stumbled into the alcove. The boy followed her seconds later. Is this the shelter? No, obviously not. Well, where is it? I'm not sure, she replied. Oh, good. We climbed all the way down here, and you're not sure. I didn't ask you to follow me. In fact, I remember explicitly asking you not to. She looked out at the river. The chaos around them was truly beautiful. The water raged below. She knew there was a huge city to her left, but all was dark. The lights and sounds flickered on her right. She looked down. The water level seemed to be going back down. "Look!" she yelled at the boy. "Do you think it's over?" The boy followed her gaze. "That doesn't make any sense. The storm seemed to calm. A hush fell over the city. Everything seemed still and quiet for a moment. And then at first, she thought it was a cloud. But it was moving too quickly. Her eyes followed it up, up, and up. It was a wave. It was taller than anything she'd ever seen before. If it was day, it surely would have blocked out the sun. The boy took her hand. She held his too. The wave continued to grow, continued to rise towards them. It was too dark to make out its exact form, but she felt it coming. The breeze hit their faces before the water crashed upon the bridge. It was almost a moment of joy, of delight. To be on this bridge with a stranger, to know you were about to die and to look back fondly on your life and loved ones. The breeze felt playful. And then the wave hit. It crunched and consumed and absorbed them all until there was nothing left but steel and brick. Somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic, the creature was starting to wake. It had slumbered for a good many years. As it lifted a foot, it sent shock waves and ripples through the water that manifested on every coast, decimating every port town that lined the vast sea.
0: Man, that was an awesome reading Thank you Thank you
2: I liked uh, James' guest appearance At the end
0: Yeah What did you think Of the story Alan? That was
2: really cool Yeah And it was really sad Yeah Like really sad Yeah Like it's just two people I I, I, I didn't see the supernatural Bit coming at the end I thought that it was just this Because this was like What 1800s or something Yeah mm-hmm. And just like They don't know about tsunamis
0: yeah. yeah Well that the So the last sentence of that Or that we talked about The creature Mm-hmm I actually have it listed as like an alternate ending because mm-hmm. I my I didn't know if it was going to read so I was going to have Dan read through it and if we thought it was silly take it out because it it could be their way. You know like that's why it was written it was written as like they don't know what tsunamis are. But it also like could lead into some kind of like creature feature vibe.
2: Yeah, no, I think it keeps it on brand. Otherwise, it's just really sad. <laughs> I mean, I I think there's like a spot
1: within horror for like the the horrors of humanity. Right, like the accident films or like the disaster films mm-hmm. kind of are like a parallel.
0: For sure. Yeah. But Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like both versions, so I wanted to to sample it out on you and see what you thought. I do too.
2: I like the creature. I like both.
0: Cool. So actually when we were kind of getting set up for the recording today, Dan was reading through the story and he said if you could have me read any story, this one is great because I'm very convinced that New York is going to be flooded in a few years.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would say on on a very regular basis, like multiple times a week, I think everything I'm doing is kind of preparing myself for moving away from New York in the next couple of years because uh, if you look at you know a lot of the science, we've really kind of... Uh, we're, we're kind of fucked. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're cursing on this podcast, yeah, but <clears throat> uh, basically like, any chance we had at preventing global warming to reach a breaking point of, of increasing the global temperature by about three degrees, uh, we've kind of missed. And so w- the future that I see is one that's very um, aware of like flooding could happen at any time and any Area that's kind of low, uh, lower on the
0: sea level. Sea level.
1: Yeah. So any place that's like a low-lying city is going to be really conscious of that and aware and they'll have to figure out ways to deal with that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that New York wouldn't but the when the storms would hit, when storms will hit, I mean it will be detrimental and maybe, you know, with the amount of money in, within the city of New York, they'll they'll have like a levee system, they'll have something that that gets the water out quickly enough that, you know, people can live. That's but great. on On a regular basis, like people will die from storms, and uh, beyond that, because global warming will become such a crisis, there's going to be huge austerity measures. Like the level of, you know, during World War II, everybody in the country was kind of working on the war effort. Like they had to make sacrifices. They ate less. They you know less Mondays, right? They recycled more. (laughs) They did all this stuff because they were like, we're doing this to save. Right. Humanity. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to do that again. Um, it'd be nice if we all did it now. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> um, I think the best thing people can do is kind of prepare for that, is kind of um, make those sacrifices now so that when it really hits, you're kind of used to that way of life. And I think it'll be fine for certain generations. I think older generations are going to have a really hard time mm. Um you know i was uh, i think about my grandpa a lot i have a 90 year old grandfather and like he can't move like he's like he's just yeah. he lives in florida which I, like the highest point in florida is like like 20 or 30 feet above sea level oh, um, and there's just like an entire generation of old people who without cars without right. a lot of the things we rely on unless yeah. those things float reach a technologically advanced point where they they'll still be accepted um we're in uh, though that that group of people is really in trouble
0: so where are you planning to move
1: uh Pennsylvania um, you know uh, Pennsylvania has some really beautiful places um they also it lines up with my career fine because there's a large homeless population also you know I think I'm gonna have an amazing set of skills being like working at shelters if like there's a huge refugee crisis within right. our own borders for sure so uh, I think I'll be fine, but uh, Pennsylvania is kind of what I've said my goal is right now. Well, I, ho- I hope you write a book
2: so we can just follow the, the Yeah, ride.
0: it would be helpful. That would be really helpful. We, we, Surviving we,
2: the we, apocalypse? Yes. Yeah. As yeah. as told by Dan Roberts. <laughs> yeah. I would buy that. I, I, the,
1: actually, well, Abby's, I think, actually pretty in, in a good spot because one of the main things I think that's going to be important is, like, cardio.
2: Mm.
1: Like, I think people are going to have to walk a lot more. I think people are going to have to be prepared to... Mm. Um, be physical a lot more than they're they're used to right now.
0: It's kind of like um Noah's flood, no.
1: Yeah. That's um I, mean, I think there's a huge population of of even evangelical Christians and I consider myself a Christian to be honest, um but like there's evangelical Christians who think like, "Oh, God promised Noah that he would never flood the earth again." Yeah. And they think that's why global warming doesn't exist, and that's <laughs> really dumb. Right. <for laughs> it's like a really bad reason. Yeah. <laughs> um you yeah, know, rainbows don't really make that guarantee, I don't think.
0: Yeah, there you go. Wow. Well, this has been fascinating, and now I feel a little bit depressed and scared about the future here.
1: I wouldn't, because, I mean, it's, it's all far enough in advance that I think, A, like, certain cities, like New York, will be able to prepare, and yeah. I think also like intelligent people will know in enough time and like have the means to yeah, the other like really helpful thing is that like if you live and work in new york like it's very easy to transplant somewhere else right um you generally make more money than you'd get paid to do the same job elsewhere and and mm-hmm. um your skills are considered like oh they worked in new york like that's where they do serious business
0: right <laughs>
1: i guess yeah,
0: yeah. cool that'll, yeah that'll be helpful so you'll be fine awesome
1: just do it in the next five years
0: okay well We'll it's come to
1: philadelphia and we'll keep making movies i like philadelphia philadelphia's great
0: yeah
1: alan looks
0: (laughs) yeah suspicious alan's never leaving new york
2: no no comment that's
0: fine maybe montana
1: i would hate to leave new york i really would like i love this city i just don't i just don't see a sustainable future for it yeah it'd be
2: great for book sales because they float well your guide oh the guide (laughs) me you in the sinking city me, you and the second that'd be a great book title yeah i
1: gotta write that
0: please do write that
1: do we do we, do you want to do a quick improvised song yeah yeah
2: start out <laughs> I'm,
0: like, I'm not gonna I'm participate. like okay well, you have to well.
2: everyone participates they all sing a part.
0: i won't participate
2: okay uh, do you want to start out or do you want me to start uh it abby always
1: starts
0: i'm not gonna participate
1: it. abby you can come up with on the rear
0: i'm not gonna do it
1: okay Lunatics, lunatics making movies, witches, warlocks, and goblins, wear lunatics,
2: lunatics. (laughs) That's great. Awesome. You got a jingle now.
0: Got a jingle. So thank you guys so much. Dan, thank you. I really, truly, not in an inauthentic way, thank you. Did an awesome job.
1: Thank you very much. It is always a pleasure. This is... Uh, of all the stories I've gotten to read, because there was a couple I, I think you sent me earlier yeah. when you started the podcast, this was by far most on-brand and certainly my favorite one I've,
2: oh, I've, cool. I've read. Oh, cool. I, I like this one a lot, too. I love it. It's a really good story. This, this is easily one of my favorites.
0: Yeah. Oh, good. I'm, I'm hitting new strides, I think, with yeah. stories lately. Kind of expanding yeah. my vibe a little. Um, so awesome. So thank you, everybody. Please, um, well, first of all, Dan, do you want to... Um, tell people if they want to donate to the shelter at all
1: so um i work uh for covenant house new york Uh, covenant house is a huge um system of shelters they shelter youth uh, between the ages of 14 and 21 in um, a bunch of different states uh in mexico guatemala honduras um uh, i'm missing one (laughs) um Uh, But there's another country in Latin America where we have a shelter. We have two shelters in Canada. Um, We do incredible work. And, um, you know, I was talking to somebody at a holiday party and they were, like, talking about their, like, advertising job. And they were like, God, I wish I had, like, a job where we get to make a difference. And I'm so lucky that I have a job where every day I feel like I make a difference. Um, But they're a great organization. Um, They also do a lot, a lot of work uh, preventing sex trafficking um, and, and working on policy changes to help with that. So that's uh, another great reason to donate. Um, and I'll plug my own podcast. Yeah, please, uh, I yeah. have a podcast with Avi Dopkin, who's been on this show a couple times, uh, and we make a podcast about Power Rangers. So oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a big crossover yeah. um, in your listenership that might have an interest in Power Rangers. There will be. B- yeah. Basically, we go through and watch every episode yeah. of Power Rangers. We watch usually between like 3 and 5 episodes and then we talk about it.
0: Yeah, it's and very fun. If it, you don't
1: if you don't know Power Rangers has 26 seasons. Uh they are all very different and unique.
0: Yeah. How far are you right now?
1: I think we're in season 12, Mystic Force, uh so, is the name ooh, of the Mystic season. Mystic Force. It's basically it came out like right after Harry Potter came out.
0: Oh, okay.
2: And they were like just trying to seize reacting them
0: the to that. Yeah. yeah.
2: and uh if people want to find this podcast how do they do that uh they can find it on itunes they can find it on
1: um spotify it's not on spotify that's the one we're missing we're we're on itunes we're on soundcloud we're on uh stitcher
0: Maybe. Yeah. If you use like a I have like Google Podcasts, which is like a podcast catching software. So if you use something like that, you'll find it's called from alpha to z.
1: From alpha to z. That's right I should give the name.
0: And yeah, where can to, people to donate to Covenant House?
1: Uh you can donate to Covenant House on at covenanthouse.org. Um and uh, It's very important. It is very important. Thank you. Yeah. Uh that would be great.
0: Yeah, please donate and please subscribe to Dan's podcast. Please do. Also, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't yet. Um, And you can also find us on YouTube at Films About Lunatics, on Instagram at Films About Lunatics. We're also on Patreon if you want to support our work and get some more access to spooky content. We're on Etsy if you want to buy a magazine or some fun merch that we have. And I think that's it.
1: Watch uh, My First Murder.
0: Please watch My First Murder. It's... It's very important to me that you do. It's
1: propelling me into internet stardom.
0: That's right. We want to make Dan go viral. <laughs> he deserves it. Mm. Anything else
2: <laughs> Stay dry, everybody.
0: Stay dry. Stay dry. Invest in your boat now. And we will talk to you very soon. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron-exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club.
2: Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel.
0: You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok, and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more.
2: And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there.
0: Our cover art is by Pilar Kep. And musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.